the opportunity that, that again, so many people have, especially consultants is if you're earlier stage, and I mean, you know, you're up to, you know, several million dollars per, per year. So if you're a, a boutique, like you're, I'm not talking about if you have hundreds uh, or thousands of employees, that's, that's a different game. You're at a different level. You can start building out different groups and units and like, sets of capabilities. But if you're smaller, having a specialization is really important uh, until you get a, a good grasp on the market. And then you can you know, look for opportunities to expand from there. Welcome to 7 to 8, our special series on 7 and 8 figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over 7 figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to center stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Michael. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. Michelle, great to be with you. <laughs> awesome. So give us kind of a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah. Uh, so I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Consulting Success. Uh, so that's consultingsuccess.com. And uh, it's where we work with uh, and help entrepreneurial consultants to build more profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. Uh, we started this about 13 years ago after building uh, several of our own consulting businesses, both in North America and in Asia, working with clients all around the world, some very large names, uh, some smaller names as well. But uh, you know, we kind of went through the ups and downs of what's involved in building a consulting business and uh, figuring out how to build a business around your expertise and, and your knowledge. And so we, when I say we, I'm referring to my cousin, uh, Sam, who's co-founder in this company, and we've built and sold other companies together over the years. But we, we were at a family barbecue one summer, and we said, you know, it's been a little while since we've built uh, or worked on a business together. What if we do something in consulting space uh, as a way just to share our experiences of what it's like to run a consulting business, um, stories from the trenches, the good, the bad, the ugly. And so we started sharing that experience with people at Consulting Success, um, and a community was kind of built around it. People said, this is great you know, free information. Do you guys have a course that we can take? And at that time we didn't. So we said, no, but we'll, we'll create one. So we did. And we'll get people go through that and say, this is really helpful. You know, I've, I'm growing, I'm, I'm feeling much clearer about how to be successful as a consultant, but is there a way to work more closely with you guys? Uh, and we said, no, there isn't, but we'll, we'll create a coaching program. So here <laughs> no, we are. They can't work with us. Forget it. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, it didn't happen right away, but uh, you know, when we started, there was no monetization plan. It was just, we were giving away our, our ideas and we figured out we'd, if there was a business there, we would create one. We were still running our own companies at that time. Um, but yeah, here, here we are a decade plus later. We've had, um, you know, over 2000 consultants go through our, our different programs. Um, tens of thousands read our, our newsletter each week that gets sent out. And we've just had a, a lot of fun building a team and working with amazing clients all around the world in many different industries, helping them to, to be more successful. Nice. I love it. So is there any type of consultants in particular that you either love working with or that are just particularly attracted to you? Yeah. So it's not so much about the, the industry. Um, and I say that because we've worked with consultants literally in, you know, every industry imaginable, uh, people don't come to us for help with their industry. Meaning if somebody is a farm, you know, a pharma consultant or they're a manufacturing consultant or they're an AI consultant, like they already have that expertise. What they're coming for us for is, help to develop a marketing system to generate, you know, a stronger pipeline or help on scaling their business or building a team uh, or dialing their messaging or their pricing strategy or their proposal. So it's really the business side of consulting. Uh, and what we look for are people that are action takers, those that have the mindset 
uh, for growth that want to embrace uh, you know challenges and and are just really looking for a plan and support to go from where they are to get to that next level, whether they're earlier stage or they're already generating six or seven figures and they want to you know go go beyond that. And oftentimes people reach out to us because they do great work uh, and they've got a lot of referrals and you know their networking connections have kind of taken them to where they are today, but they realize that that's not going to continue. Um, indefinitely, and that for them to get to that next level, they they need to start working on their business in a more kind of strategic and intentional way. And so that's really what we're what we're doing as a team uh, is is helping clients all around the world to to do that. So it's it's really about the mindset. And as long as somebody has expertise and they're confident that they can deliver results, and likely they have a track record of, of doing that, either as a consultant or in in a more senior kind of position, um, then they're usually in a great place where we can help them. I'll. I think it's kind of funny to say the driven ones. It's like, yeah, and if you really don't want to go anywhere, they're probably not looking for somebody to help them build their business because they're like, nope, I don't want to build my business. That's okay. That's great. Um, Sometimes the lifestyle business is important and fabulous. Well, what do you think it is about the driven entrepreneurs that want to grow their businesses? Do they have anything, whether it's mindset or otherwise, in common with each other that drives them with that mission? I think that's a great a great question. Uh, I mean, the mindset is certainly a really big part of it. Um, I wrote a book several years back uh, called The Elite Consulting Mind because what I realized is that oftentimes people have uh, an idea about you know strategy tactics, like they know what to do, but they still don't do it. Right? There's there's still you look at two people and they both have the same uh, information, same background, same access to you know whatever you want, fill in the blank but one will be really successful and the other one won't. And it's usually comes down to that one is taking a lot more action than, than the other, but action is, you know, comes from mindset. You, you have to be willing to, to learn. You have to be willing to, to do something and, and learn whether or not that was the right step or, or the wrong step. So I think, you know, the, the mindset piece is so critical that, uh, and I, I see this consistently across, you know, my friends that are entrepreneurs or colleagues or our most successful clients, or even just, introspectively, if I think about, you know, the experience that I've had over the years building business, it's becoming more comfortable with the understanding that um, you need to take action and the result of that may not be what you think, but that's okay. It's it's not a, a failure. It's a learning experience. Uh, and as you have more of these experiences, you just become stronger and better. And then you really become unstoppable. And that's why, you know, it sounds like hype when people say that if you put your mind to it, you know, you can, you can accomplish anything. But I really believe that to be true, that, that you can accomplish anything that you want. Um, you know, look at all the uh, kind of futuristic technology innovations that are happening around us. If everybody would have just said like, yeah, there's no no way that somebody can do that. It's not possible. We wouldn't have what we have today, but here we are. And so that all starts with the mindset and the belief that something is possible, but then you need to carry it through with consistent action taking. And a big part of that in you know every level of entrepreneurship is that you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get punched in the gut. Uh, and it's not going to feel good. And you're going to probably have times where you doubt yourself and wonder if you should go back to doing whatever it was that you're doing before. And if you're cut out for this and imposter syndrome will, will kind of creep in and, you know, all that stuff, it's all trash that goes around in our minds. Um, and when you just learn to kind of accept that that's part of the business, it's part of the game, if you want to, you know, call it that, um, then all of a sudden it just becomes more fun and you, you embrace it and you keep moving forward. And, um, I think you can just kind of become unstoppable. Nice. Not exactly a sales pitch, but a good pepper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think like for me, that's, that's what motivates me or gets me excited. It's, it's yeah. uh, identifying potential in, in somebody. Um, 
whether it's an internal team member, you know, somebody on our team, or it's even just talking to myself or, or about family, friends, and those that I care about, uh, when somebody has potential and if they want to actually make more of it, um, to me, that's an exciting thing. You know, it goes back to probably my grandmother. I remember many years ago when she was still alive that, uh, she said to me, like, you should be a teacher. And I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be an entrepreneur, a capitalist. Like, I want to make money. Um, and only, you know, many years later after that, I realized that she was right. Like that for me, that's actually where I get the greatest fulfillment is it's not from the money. It's, it's from actually helping people. And that can be like being stopped on the street or seeing, seeing somebody that needs help on the street or in any situation. And if I can help somebody that just makes me feel really good. So I try and kind of put myself in positions where uh, I can help as many people as I can. Nice. I love it. Way to go, grandma. And yeah. <laughs> right. And so you can make a lot of money teaching people. That, that's a good way to go. Uh, and I used to have a coach once upon a time that um, said to my sister and my partner in business at the time said, well, she just kind of needs to have her head kicked in a little. <laughs> Don't know if I like the sounds of that, but basically I had to, you know, just get the chip off my block and, uh, you know, go out and do the things that I had to do. And, and that it, that it was okay, that it's, you know, you are going to get that gut punch. And, and when you get it to just realize that it is part of the game, this is, um, I mean, it's not like this is an MMA fight with your clients and your potentials, but I think it is kind of an MMA fight against yourself and yeah, kind of seeing what you're made of. Totally. I think the other part of it too, is you know, decision-making comes into it that I would say the, the less experienced, or just earlier stage entrepreneur often is kind of paralyzed uh, by decisions and will hesitate uh, more often because they're really worried about making mistakes or about, you know, doing the wrong thing. And as you accumulate experience, at least, you know, this is based on my observation uh, that you understand that it's better to make a decision, even if it's the wrong one, but at least you're going to get data and feedback from that decision. And so this is why, you know, kind of, if I go back to this, story or example that I share with, with people quite often, it's like, you, you probably have somebody around you, right? Everybody who's listening is probably has somebody around them that you look at right now, or you've heard of them and you look at like the education that they, that they lack, or, you know, you went to a better school or so on the face of it, you should be, or, you know, like they shouldn't be as successful as they are, but they're very successful because, you know, they maybe they don't have the education or whatever it is, like the certifications, but they're really successful. How can that be? And it's probably just because they've taken significantly you know, more action, they've made more decisions, they've had more opportunities to get feedback from the marketplace and from, you know, the the environment around them. And so that is a cycle that just as you get more and more of that, you're just learning much faster than the typical person who's hesitating, trying to optimize for the best decision, but that not actually making a decision. So I think decision making is also a really important kind of quality or criteria of somebody that wants to be more successful is just to be able to make more rapid decisions. Nice. So when it comes to um, consultants in particular, do you notice that there's a difference in the business mentality or in the, in the business structure period that people really have to wrap their heads around? They may be really good in business, but there's something different about this. Yeah. I mean, the whole, so there's, there's a, several models when it comes to consulting. And I think this is one thing that, um, we spend a lot of time with clients on that there's no right model. You know, there's some consultants that we work with who, are, are generating very high six figures as a solo independent consultant. Like it's just them doing everything and that's the way they want to keep it. Others uh, want to, you know, may, might've started off like that. They left the corporate world because they didn't want to manage people any longer. 
But then they realize, you know what, like there is demand for what I'm doing. I'm seeing growth. And I realize that if I want to make a bigger impact, I can't do all this myself. And so then they start building a team. Um, there's a lot of different decisions that need to be made around and, and depending on what kind of model somebody uh, uses and their approach around that. But I think our, our big thing is always meeting people where they are and really figuring out what does success look like for you? Um, you know, both from a lifestyle perspective, from a financial business perspective, from an impact perspective, um, and then modeling the business and your offerings and you know, everything else to align with that specifically. So I don't know if that's answering your question or not, but feel free to push back on that. <laughs> I will. Absolutely. No, it, it does. And it does very well. So is there, what is one of the most interesting kind of consulting positions that you've come across in your in your business you mean type of like consultant like the work yeah. that they're doing yeah um well so i mean there's there's a lot of these but one that just comes to mind right away scott um wages based in belgium uh, originally a doctor from the us um that does really um interesting work with a host of different types of organizations so essentially he works at the intersection between pharmaceutical organizations um research um, professors and, and universities and, uh, you know, private investors or investment groups, venture capitalists and all that. Uh, and he's a real master at kind of facilitating these complex meetings and, and moving parts where you have a lot of different types of organizations or, or experts. And his company just does a really good job of, you know, uh, kind of building these consortiums or these groups where you can take an idea and run it through their process and because of the way that they do it um, and the experience they've had, you know, doing this so many times, they're able to, to get uh, health related products or inventions or um, just, you know, I guess, you know, services, but it's often products to the market much faster and in a much more effective way. And when you look at the data of the, the number of uh, products or uh, developments that just fail to see the light of day, because they just get stuck in all this internal kind of, you know, the internal machine as it kind of cranks away. They're really about unlocking in a really uh, fine way or, or effective way, you know, getting kind of people through that. So what, one thing that I remember Scott said to me many years ago when I was talking to him, uh, I said, you know, how many, how many meetings like have you facilitated like this that are really complex? He's like, well, I've, I've done like thousands, like, you know, there's been like tens of thousands of meetings. I was like, is that, have other people done that before? He's like, well, some, but not many. And so, you know, that, that just kind of brought to light uh, a story that I, I share with people often, which is that very, it's, it's very common that for you as an expert, you've probably done a lot of stuff that you're not really paying attention to. You're not shining a spotlight on all of your accomplishments and your achievements, because for you, it's not a big deal. Like for Scott, it wasn't a big deal that he was, you know, just an expert in facilitating thousands and thousands of these meetings. Uh, but there's very few people like that in the world that have done what, what he's done. And I think all of us, if we start to really become a little bit more self-aware and make a list of like, what have I accomplished? What have I achieved? What results, successes, all that. There's probably a lot of stuff inside, like our in, this inventory uh, of success and track record that we can leverage more uh, in our businesses. So uh, yeah, that's one example, but I mean, there's there's so many. That's awesome, sorry, because, and I ask because I find that consultants in particular tend to find the neatest little niche of things. Uh, there's this problem myself and I just do it. Like, so yeah. it's like, you yeah. what? Yeah. And, and it always fascinates me that somebody like you can, can work with somebody and draw that out of them. 
because I think so many times people overlook that they're going for the obvious. It's like, oh, I can make a lot of money in this because everybody else is. And, right. and it's not kind of what is that thing that I bring to the table and I have experience in already. It's easy for me. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're bringing up something that I think is really important for any consultant, advisor, expert, uh, which is, you know, the, the conversation around specialization versus kind of like a specialist versus generalist. And um, you'll hear a lot of people talk about the, that, you know, a generalist is, is more powerful. Um, you know, this, this conversation is actually um, had a, uh, an interview with one of the, the chair uh, people of uh, B- Boston Consulting Group, BCG, at their Henderson Institute, and Martin Reeves. And he talked about how, you know, being a generalist is very powerful. Um, but what I think a lot of people forget is that you, you don't want to model what a larger organization has created success in when you are a smaller organization. Um, you know, if you're trying to compete with a larger organization, you know, by being a generalist, you're gonna have a very hard time because they're already doing all that. So as a smaller company, it's, it's critical that you find your area of expertise. You want to find how, how can you stand out? And that might be kind of horizontal, uh, or, or vertical in terms of your focusing on, uh, your industry expertise and specialization, or it might be more across the specific thing that you do that can be applied across industries, but you need to be known for something. If you're not known for something, it's really hard to stand out. And so, uh, a good, I think a good example of this is to look at Stripe when they first, you know, as a payment processor, when they first launched, they don't go to their website today and look at what they say. I mean, they, what they say today is essentially, it's like payment processing for everybody under the sun, but that's not how they start. They started, if you go back in time, like the Wayback machine, right? I don't know if you, you heard that, that website before, Michelle, oh, you know that one? Okay. So if you go to, I think it's like waybackmachine.org, just search on Google Wayback machine. You can essentially put in any website and you can see older versions of what that website looked like. So if you go back in time in Stripe, you can see that Stripe, their initial messaging on their website said uh, payment processing or something along these lines, payment processing for developers, right? So they started with a very specific focus of payment processing for developers because developers were underserved with like PayPal wasn't very user-friendly for developers and so on and so forth. So they developed a very specific solution. That was their specialization. Same with LEK Consulting which was started by uh, one of the founders, Richard Koch, who wrote a whole bunch of books on around 80-20. He's, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in, in assets now, uh, a very successful entrepreneur. And, you know, he talks about that they started LEK because, uh, or with a focus on shareholder valuation services, they didn't go in and say, we're going to be another management or strategic management consulting firm like Boston Consulting Group or McKinsey or these other people, because if they try to compete with an established player at the same game, it'd be very hard for them to, to be known for something. So I think this is the opportunity that, that, again, so many people have, especially consultants, is if you're earlier stage, and I mean, you know, you're up to, you know, several million dollars per per year. So if you're a, a boutique, like you're, I'm not talking about if you have hundreds uh, or thousands of employees, that's that's a different game. You're at a different level. You can start building out different groups and units and ca- like sets of capabilities. But if you're smaller, having a specialization is really important uh, until you get a, a good grasp on the market. And then you can you know, look for opportunities to expand from there. Nice. So one of the things that people can do if they're still in that position of, you know, they have a job, maybe, and they're considering going into consulting or they have a consulting and they go, "Mm, I'm definitely generalist to be able to look at their network, their past experience, things they've done to be able to go, what have I done more than 12 times that I can (laughs) blow it out of the water? Um, yeah, I've never thought of or heard about the 12 times thing before. So that that might be a a new one, a good one. (laughs) Random number. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, But no, I mean that that's that's certainly part of the process that we we take clients through. It's it's looking at um you know we have what we call the niche or niche scoring um kind of method depending on if you're 
how you say that word, but that, the whole idea is you, you kind of rank a whole bunch of different factors. Cause what we see pretty consistently, especially for earlier stage consultants is that they will have a lot of different experiences and, and areas of expertise. So one of the, their greatest challenges is deciding what should I focus in? It's like, well, I could work in manufacturing or I can work in food and beverage and, but I've also done this or I've done that. And so you go through kind of a series of these different questions where you, where you score, we get our clients to score, uh, for example, like, you know, what area do you have, you know, out of one to five, where do you have the most experience? Uh, where do you have the, the biggest network and, and access? Where have you created the greatest results? So a whole bunch of different factors. And then you get a score. And that score, really what, it's help, what it helps you to do is to try and see, oh, okay, you know, yeah, I have experience in these two or three different areas, but clearly I have a lot more going for me in this one. And so uh, I could try and take on all these different areas, but as a small company, that's going to be very, very challenging. Even if you have a small team, it's very challenging because uh, number one, if you have time, you know, when you make time to work on your business and to do marketing, where do you direct that marketing? If you have multiple different kind of segments or industries or, or people to go after, but also how do you develop a message that's going to resonate with anyone? If you're trying to speak to everybody or to many different people. So, you know, having this focus is, is really powerful. Uh, and yeah, you definitely hit on some of those key ones around where do you have a network where do you have experience? Where have you created the most success? You know, what do you enjoy doing? Because so much of consulting um, or any kind of advisory expertise type of business is based on what's between your ears, right? It's it's your knowledge. Uh, and one of the greatest ways to demonstrate value, uh, aside from actually doing the work or getting a referral, is through the, the, the content that you put out and the IP that you develop. And so, you, you know, you, you want to select something that you're going to enjoy building on and around for many years to come. Uh, otherwise, you're just gonna be miserable. And you know, even if you have a lot of money, there's, there's a lot of people have a lot of money that are miserable. You don't want to be one of those people. So I think it's better to figure out, you know, what do you, what will you enjoy spending time researching and learning about and uh, creating content around uh, that you really want to be known for, and then lean into that. Nice, I love that. So, what would you say is your favorite part of your business? Uh, I mean, so there's there's two parts that. I really enjoy. I mean, the first is is working with with our clients and seeing the successes they have, and just helping them to really uh, realize their potential and overcome roadblocks. Um, like when they when they just kind of get it. Um, and when for you know, for example, we have a lot of people that have uh, the the reason they left even high paying corporate or senior you know jobs is because they want to spend more time with their family or their kids or whatever it might be. And then fast forward, you know, a few months, they've done that. They've, they've left their job and they've, you know, they're back up to their previous salary and, and even beyond that, or somebody that reaches out and they're just feeling really burned out and they haven't really been taking much of a salary. They have a team and they're, you know, making good money top line, but it's, but it's not nowhere near that on the bottom line. And so they're just struggling and feeling kind of burned out and helping them to, you know, kind of re work or develop a bit of a strategy that gets them better aligned. So they can all of a sudden start taking a much better salary, enjoy the fruits of their labors. That's for me, very, very rewarding, uh, the kind of the teacher side. And the other one um, that has really been developing more over the last few years is building our team. And um, just, it's, it's amazing how much you can accomplish when you have a team around you and, what, and when everybody is clear on your objectives and the goals and the vision and the values. Um, so that's, you know, today where I spend a lot more of my time is, is thinking about, how can I best support the team that, that we have and how can we continue to build our team in a strategic way and in a way that allows us to continue growing, uh, but very, you know, but profitably and, uh, and also where we can continue to make a, a greater impact because we continue to see more and more 
kind of you know interest, demand, opportunities, I guess, to, to help people. But in order to do that, we we want to do it in a very intentional way where we're always able to provide that kind of five-star client experience. Um, so for us, it's all about get, making sure we have the right people uh, as part of the team and the right systems in place to to support our clients. Nice, I love it. Well, you've given us some great client stories, but can you give us an example of a Cinderella story? Uh, one of your clients that might've been frustrated before they got to you and then, you know, things <laughs> opened up. Uh, yeah, so... I'll just, I'll say that I me, mean, I can choose one here, but anyone, if you want to go to consultingsuccess.com, um, you'll see a, a link there. It says client results right at the top. There's hundreds of testimonials, case studies that, you know, pick one, choose one that, that feels maybe more aligned with, with where you are in your business right now. Um, I mean, Nick Campbell's a great a, a example and she has a case study on, on our site. So uh, she first reached out when she was just leaving a high six-figure paying job, um, actually working for one of Ray Dalio's foundations um, and kind of doing that governance uh, nonprofit type of work. Uh, so very, very experienced, just a, a brilliant woman, uh, very good at what she does, but she didn't have the experience of actually building her own consulting business. And so in the first kind of six or so months of working with her, we really helped to support her in putting a, a plan in place um, you know, everything from how to leverage her network, how to develop her messaging, her pricing strategies, her offers, all that. Uh, and, you know, within six months to a, to a year, she was already back up to what she was making before. Um, and then fast forward into, you know, year two and, and three and so forth. Um, now running a very solid, you know, million plus dollar business with a, an amazing team. And she just continues to grow and the impact that her and her team are uh, creating for their clients. It just, it's really amazing. And I remember that one of the, one of the things actually resonates with me or um, that I just really appreciate Nick the most is the reason that she, when I asked her why she wanted to leave such a, you know, on the outside, looked like an amazing job and opportunity. She said, cause I want to spend more time with my, with my two kids, young kids. Um, and I, I resonate with that because I have two, two young kids, two daughters. Um, and so, you know, we talked about this at different times. Like I remember she encountered one kind of a bit of a got stuck a little bit at one point where she's working on her marketing and like a lot of people doesn't at that point didn't necessarily enjoy you know doing marketing and reaching out to people and following up and I said to her I said Nick why you know why are you doing this like why did you leave this amazing job that you had to start your own business and take on all the quote-unquote you know risk and just the ups and downs like what our entrepreneurship is all about but like why did you do that and she said well I did it for my kids I really want to spend more time with them and be be more present for them and I said okay well next time that you feel you have that kind of feeling inside of the hesitation to do your marketing to work on the business. I want you to think about your your kids. Uh, and so when I spoke to her, you know, a week or two after that, she said, "Yeah, like I'm now doing that now, and it's actually helping. I'm doing what I need to be doing." And that was a, a while back, and she's really you know grown her business tremendously since then. Um, but seeing someone like Nick, and there's you know many people like this that we've helped who um, who have a, a real clear why. It's like you know what they want to accomplish and why they want to do it, and it's not just them. It's it's for their kids or their elderly parents or the impact they want to have on a community or whatever it is. And then seeing as they apply their knowledge, their expertise, they take action. I mean, they're, they're the ones that deserve all the credit, but someone like Nick just did, you know, amazing work continues to focus on delivering great work for clients. And so I just really, you know, love seeing what they've been able to accomplish. Nice. I know there's a lot of people that have, you know, want to spend more time with their family, whether it's their young kids or their elderly parents and, yeah. and just that frustration of, you know, I don't get marketing. I don't get, <laughs> there's so many aspects to business that you just want to go out and do the thing that you do and not yeah. have to worry about all the extraneous or uh, extemporaneous 
uh, efforts <laughs> that go into that. So I know there's a lot of our audience that fall into that and want to uh, more, they want more from you. So how do they start their journey with you? Uh, well, consultingsuccess.com is kind of home to everything. Um, we have a free blueprint where we've compiled some of our um, most popular articles around scaling and growing a consulting business. So you can get that for free by going to uh, the website. Uh, we also have the Consulting Success Podcast, uh, where I interview successful consultants and share their stories with you. So you can check that out. We have books on Amazon, YouTube videos, about a thousand articles on our website that you know we've published over the years. Um, so there's a lot of just free information you're more than welcome to check out, uh, regardless of where you are in your journey. And then uh, for those that are earlier stage that are you know looking to uh, get involved in say, a course or some of the paid offerings we have, we have what's called the Momentum Program for earlier earlier stage consultants. And then we have our Clarity Coaching Program uh, for those that want one-on-one -on -one coaching support and really to be part of a community uh, to take their consulting businesses to the next level. But as you know, people just I'd say start with the free stuff. Um, you know, go use as much of that as, as you'd like, uh, and we'll be here whenever, uh, the time is right for you to, uh, explore how we can further support you. Nice. I love it. So peeps, we will of course have all of Michael's notes in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down, click those links. And of course, continue to listen because I would love to know at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a question for me. I thought that's the way yeah. you're wrapping up your show. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's a great ending for a show. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's interesting. So my parents were not entrepreneurs. Um, I, I, for me, in up until the end of element, uh, end of high school, I was, so I'd say grade, about grade 10, sports was my life. I, like I, everything was, was sports. I did rugby, I did track and field, baseball, soccer, a bit of basketball, uh, martial arts. And that's just all I, all I did. I wasn't thinking really about business. And then, um, two things happened and feel free to cut me off Michelle here. If I, if I go too long, but, um, know. you know, one was that, uh, in grade 10, I went on a trip with my, my, uh, father and stepmom to Thailand and I, I had grown up. So I was born in Toronto at the age of two, my parents moved my sister and I to Israel. We spent four and a half years there. I came back to, um, this time to Vancouver, but back to Canada, I did not speak English and I did not know anybody and I really felt like an outsider. So I think for me, sports was like where I channeled everything, but I always had this appreciation and love for just people from like around the world, different cultures, religions, languages, just all that for me was just really, really interesting. Um, and growing up in Vancouver, you know, definitely a lot of cultures, especially from Asia, but we went to Thailand and I remember I just had this like tremendous level of culture shock that was very positive, but like something switched in my, in my, in my mind. And I came back and I stopped doing the same level of uh, competitive sports and got much more into arts and photography and music. Uh, but then my stepfather. So when he came into the picture, he was an entrepreneur. He ran uh, his own electronics stores and was very involved in the electronics business. Uh, a tough guy from, from the Bronx in New York. And he always, you know, share amazing stories with me. Um, and so I helped out at, at his stores and that kind of started to give me a bit of an entrepreneurial bug. Uh, I then started just doing some summer jobs to make money so that I could travel. Cause for me, travel has always been important. Uh, and then at the end of my last year of high school, my cousin, Sam, and I, we started our first business together. Um, and we didn't really know what we were doing, but we figured it out. And what we realized at that early stage was that by, in my case, by reading books, um, I actually knew a lot more than a lot of people did. So for example, I would speak with like the owner of a bagel shop or the, the, a partner at a law firm. And 
I had no, you know, I didn't know much about bagels other than I like to eat them at times. And I didn't know much about law either, <laughs> but I talked to these people and I realized like, Oh yeah, you have a printing store and you've done quite well, but like you don't do any marketing. Well, I've read all these different books on marketing at this point and, and we could try this. And we started trying things and helping people. And so long story short, I think, you know, it really came from, from my stepfather um, was probably where that entrepreneurial bug initially kind of kicked in. And then my cousin Sam and I just decided let's try something, start something we did. And, that gave us some amazing experience. We had some success and that led to the next business and the next business and the next business. And um, it's just been a lot, a lot of fun and I can't really imagine doing anything else. That sounds awesome. So in your entrepreneurial experience, was there ever any blooper reels? Things that you're like, oh no, that's, that's not part of the show anymore, but you can now laugh at it. Oh, I mean, that that's that happens all the time. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely blooper reels and there's also the ones where you look back uh, and, and recognizing that in that moment, it was really, really challenging. Um, you know, some cases financially, but in my experience personally, it's been more at times either, you know, emotionally or mentally, just really hard. So I'll give you one example of this, um, many years ago. So about 10 plus years ago, uh, I went to Japan and opened up a branch office for one of our businesses there and ended up running that business for about six years, working with some amazing organizations, um, like Omron and Shimadzu and um, who else do we work with? Panasonic, uh, Sumitomo, just some you know billion dollar organization, like Japanese organizations helping them to communicate to English language markets. And uh, there was one situation where I remember I got a call very early in the morning from one of our partners in an ad agency that we had worked with. And he never called me that early, right? I was still at my house. And he said, there's a problem with one of our big, you know, large clients. And he told me what the problem was. And I was like, that's... Like, that's not a big deal. Like we didn't make that. That wasn't even like, that's not even intent. It's not even really a mistake. Like they, they approved that. It was, you know, it was just a, a miscommunication. Anyways, long story short, we had to fix it. And so we were in, in Osaka, we had to uh, jump on a bullet train um, and get up to Tokyo to meet the client. And we spent a, had a four hour meeting um, and we resolved it. But I remember the feeling of getting that phone call and just kind of like a bit of panic and going like, huh, like this is really, really challenging. You know, here I am, a foreigner. Um, my Japanese at that point was okay, but but not great. I definitely felt out of my element. Like I didn't feel like I was one with my surroundings. And especially at that time, it, it made me question, like, am I really cut out to, to do this? And it's funny because when I say that now, it might not sound like such a big deal. Like I'm sure some people are listening were like, what? Like, who cares? Like you just had a client situation, you know, you work through it. But I can tell you, and one thing maybe I didn't say, I, I was in my early 20s at that time. So I started this business and, you know, was, was doing this kind of stuff, uh, being in my 20s, surrounded by people in their 50s, 60s, in some cases, even 70s. Um, and so it, it was it was hard for me at times. And I had to kind of navigate that. So I think what's interesting is that there, I've had a lot of situations like that. And I think probably most of us have, where in that exact moment, it's very like the pain or the um, the feeling is very it's very acute, and we feel like the world is ending, and we don't know how how we can deal with it. But as long as you just power through and you get back up and you keep going, you'll almost certainly look back on that situation, and it might even only be in a matter of days or weeks. Um, but certainly, you know, beyond that, you'll look back and be like, yeah, that that really sucked, but just like it was just part of it. You know, look where I am today. Um, so I've had a lot of those kinds of things, and you know, funny stories, uh, especially from my time in Japan. Um, you know, with, with a whole bunch of different kinds of people, but, uh, I just, I, I enjoy all that stuff now. And, uh, I, I know that the challenges will only continue and, uh, it's not just about being open to, uh, 
kind of navigating through them rather than trying to fight them. Nice. Love that. Well, I was kind of hoping to hear that, you know, with the, the more lackadaisical American attitude <laughs> compared to what I perceive to be the Japanese attitude, you'd like, that's not a problem at all. Americans are not going to notice that. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a really nice ending though. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it would have been. Uh, I mean, the good <laughs> thing is that we, it <laughs> that's not how it happened though. We, uh, yeah. we did spend a four, you know, four hours talking essentially about nothing in a meeting, but we're able to resolve it. I mean, Japanese meetings are, are known for being quite long, where in many cases, you don't actually get through much uh, substance. Um, but but anyways, you know, we we worked through it and the client was was happy in the end and we continued to work with them for for quite some time. So it was a positive experience in the end. And, and now I think what I always look for, uh, and I'm sure others uh, you know, do this as well, it's anytime you have that kind of experience where something doesn't go the way that you thought that it would, there's a lesson inside of that. And so it's important to just look at it and go, okay, like we, there was a mistake or something didn't work out. Um, all right, number one, what do we do going forward? But number two, like how do we you know, fix this and, and keep moving forward? But then number two, what can we learn from this experience? How can we ensure this doesn't happen again? Or how can we now use that objection that we heard from a, you know, from a buyer and add it to our collection so that when it, we can address it before it comes up in our next conversation? Like there's all these clues for success all around us. And sometimes... I think entrepreneurs, and I know myself as well, we're just so focused on kind of moving forward in the day to day that we're not paying as much attention to these things as we can. But I think when you can just kind of pause for a moment and go, okay, what's happening? You know, what was the opportunity? How do we improve? And we just embrace this. There's so much opportunity for uh, for improvement. Nice, love it. You have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Uh, no, I just I appreciate you, Michelle, for having me on and uh, for doing what you do. I know that. Uh, I've heard just great things about the work that you do for your clients. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate you putting these messages and the podcast out into the world and, uh, making the impact that you do with, uh, with everyone that gets to, uh, to be a part of it. Nice. Love it. Thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thanks. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.